Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. Hello. Hello, everybody. And this is the Journey episode. Yep. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the band Journey. No, thank God. Thank God. Steve Perry. Steve Perry. Steve Perry was good. Yeah, he was a good guy. He, nothing, left, he left the band. Nothing against the current vocalist, but... Yeah. Not my favorite band, but no. I get it. They're like the drunk 3AM. Why are we talking about the band, I though? I have no idea. <laughs> the the non-Journey episode went to Journey. But again, welcome in. So this is Journey... Uh, the reason we chose this theme is because of our collective um, movie, album, and beer. This week we're going to be reviewing the movie The Revenant. Yes. Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio's latest film. Mm-hmm. Highly anticipated. acclaimed, anticipated. Interesting production story. And... Very. And then uh, the album of the week is Logic, the incredible true story, the hip-hop artist. Uh, we'll review that. And our beer of the week this week is Expedition Stout. Yes, this is a beer from the good people at Bell's Brewing Company in Michigan. And yes, like Nate just said, this is the Expedition Stout, and this is a very, very potent and delicious stout. Uh, It comes in at 10.5% alcohol by volume, so it'll knock you on your ass if you have enough of these in one sitting. Even not enough of them, just a couple of them probably. But uh, we figured, you know, with the name Expedition Stout, this is kind of a good uh, a good choice here because, uh, especially with the movie, you know, they really it's a real big journey and there's a, definitely an expedition going on in that movie. There is, and it, it fits really well too. The little logo is kind of a north, south, east, west compass too, and you yeah. know, a few times in the movie they're referencing like direction. Sure. So. And the fir- there's like a little paragraph on the bottle, and the first sentence is. Here's a beer that thirsts for travel, holding up impressively under the rigors of any journey. So, perfect. Well, if it was a super rigid journey, the bottle would just break. Yeah. Like, if you were, like, trouncing down mountains. Or floating down rivers. Must be lonking in a cave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's true. You could do that. Yeah, that's true. So, this is the journey episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the definition of journey, it is a noun, and it's an act of traveling from one place to another. Very... Uh, pretty straightforward definition. Right. I mean, and that's the first word that came to my mind, especially when we saw the movie. Mm-hmm. So. It's like a journey going... I always think some sort of adventure involved. It's not just like... You don't say when you go to the gas station to get gas, oh, I was on a journey to the gas station. It's got to be like... Unless the zombie apocalypse happens when you're at that's the true. gas station. That's true. it's definitely... But yeah, when I think journey, I think going on an adventure, maybe doing some exploring. It could possibly be dangerous or even life-threatening. It can be an emotional and physical uh, thing at that. Uh, but yeah, it's going through a complete set of actions, getting from here to there, generally with a beginning and a middle, and hopefully an end if you survive. But uh, yeah, journey's exciting. I don't think I've ever taken one, like a legit journey. You did? You went to Hawaii? Yeah, but I was like safe the whole time. I didn't get mobile. But I don't think you have to... No, I know what you mean. I'm yeah. Just... <laughs> I mean, then again, yeah, maybe it is kind of reserved for those, like, 
nature expeditions. No, I would agree that, that going to Hawaii would be a journey then because we saw so much stuff and experienced so many new things and you know, we were only there for a week and a half, but it felt like so much longer and not in a bad way. So I guess, yeah, that could be a journey, I think. Yeah. But I always kind of drew up, like I, like I said, the the expeditions to climb Everest. That's a journey, and I've seen documentaries about that. I still don't know why anyone would ever try to do that. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, journey. Interesting. Hey, uh, so you made a face when you took a sip of the beer. No, What's it kind of, it, it wasn't bad. It was, it's just very unique. Like, you, it's smoky in a way. Yeah, it's super Super powerful. You can tell. There's got to be some correlation between the color of the head. It and, like, is high roasted alcohol. barley. Is that what the, it is? The color of the head is if it's a, a brown or a, a you know a, some a hazy looking head like on this beer, it's a very dark, straight up brown color. That means they use roasted barley's in the process. And if it was more roasted malts, it wouldn't necessarily be uh, that color. So generally, it's going to be that. But it could also be. I don't know if in this beer's case, I doubt it's the case. But in some, it might be. Because of food coloring and some other stuff too, but I don't think that Bell's would would do something so. like that. It's just a very strong beer with a lot of stuff that went into it. So we were talking out fair. They have a lot. Bell's Brewing, that brewery that is, has a ton of awesome beers. They're one of the best one ever. The two Hearted, yes. probably Two Hearted Ale. It's an IPA. It's probably one of their better ones. Mm -hmm. They have one that's like sixteen percent. Nice. Um, and I had it at a beer fest, and it was all that and more, but. Yeah, good good beer from nice. uh, the great state of Michigan. A lot of good breweries in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's all there is in that state. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, anyways, on to our high-priority news items. Uh, we last week talked about how we were both really excited to hear David Bowie's new album, mm -hmm. Black Star. Very sadly, he did pass away the day after. It was on Sunday, January 10th. So, so, it was so two days after. Because it released on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Yep. So shortly, shortly after the release of his of his album. And certainly, he, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this or people who are interested know this, but we'll say again here, he was very aware of the, of the fact that he was dying, and apparently for 18 months he had been suffering from, uh, from cancer. And if you've heard this album called Black Star, his final album, uh, you definitely hear it coming through, and it's kind of eerie to hear uh, an artist writing songs about death and reflection from an actual perspective of dying. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very, it's super powerful stuff. And uh, it, it's just tragic because David Bowie is just such an incredible, I mean, he was just such an incredible figure in music and even movies. The guy just did it all and he had been around forever. He's iconic in, in a lot of ways. And and also, too, it's been incredible to see the outpouring of uh, of just people if of all walks of life saying how he how he positively affected their life and um and we'll have a, a bit of an announcement then to kind of talk about it the album of the week yes yes so on to uh star wars episode seven our movie of the week several weeks back more star wars talk more star wars talk <laughs> supposedly it's going to get trumped this week and we, we haven't gone through by the numbers uh yet that was obviously last week but supposedly by ride along two mm. which would be a very a big change in pace, obviously. Yeah. But um, we had talked too about it releasing in China. Turns out that the headlines say that it didn't catch fire in China. Um, it had a th whoop, it had a thirty three million dollar debut, um, then dropped thirty five percent on Sunday to twenty point seven, sixty five percent on a Monday. That's important to to know. Uh, to seven point mere seven point two in China. But these numbers aren't bad necessarily in that market. Yeah, I'd read a lot about people saying that, 
oh, this wasn't making as much money as they thought in China, but this was the biggest opening weekend in, in the history of, of movie releases in China. So, yeah, granted, that was a big drop-off, but I guess going from Sunday to Monday, even in China, which is very much an industrial country, I'm, I'm sure that's bound to have an impact on it. So I, I think it's doing pretty well there. I, I now question on whether it's going to be the number one movie of all time worldwide, but I do think it'll uh, be number two. I do think it'll reach that Titanic worldwide number. But of course, you know, domestically, it's mm -hmm. the number one movie already. And still doing very well. But yeah, 2.186 uh, 2 billion is the international total gross, which is an insane amount of money for a movie to generate. But this, mm -hmm. the thing is that I always think about these numbers and we've talked about it by the numbers is the amount of money they're also pulling off of like merchandise mm -hmm. and and advertising deals and everything like that but it's not these numbers aren't bad for china we, no. we obviously see them as bad because we're trying to compare it you know sure. to america but it's not it, I, don't know, I don't know that it's that big of a deal over there well that's one of the things here is that when the the star wars movies first came out in the 70s and early 80s china was going through a very a different time than a lot of the other world was in terms of what their general public was being exposed to because of the type of government that's ruling. Even even now, I'm sure the version of the movie they're seeing is is vastly different from the one me and you are seeing mm -hmm. or anybody else has seen. But uh, yeah, they just didn't have that cultural impact that Star Wars did for us in the '70s, just because they weren't exposed to it. Mm -hmm. So, I, from what I understand, Disney had a big push certainly recently for this movie, but. You know, it's a new thing for them. I, I do think it's going to make good money and it'll open up a lot of people's eyes to the franchise over there. But, yeah, it's definitely not the fra the um, the phenomenon that it is here. Yeah, and I see these headlines as kind of the media's way of trying to pull a negative headline out of uh, out of something you know to what? do with Star Wars. And I've seen a lot of that with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who have turned on critics. This movie was received critically very highly. A lot of people, and I don't know how much of this can be taken seriously. I don't think a whole lot of it can be personally, but a lot of people seem to be suggesting that critics were too easy on this movie, and it's actually not as good as they're saying because people just had a bad taste in their mouth from the prequels. I, I just don't agree. I think the movie is incredibly good, and it's I, I think you can definitely see the the impact it's had on, and, on, on culture again, and Star Wars is in a lot of ways, the biggest thing right now. Well, I don't think, and if anything, my my opinion is that critics and fans were harder on this movie right. coming out because it had so much to live up to, not only from the buzz from the, the original films, but as we talked about, episodes one, two, and three, not really living up to what necessarily fans wanted. It's sure. obviously still a cult classic, but mm. I, I thought it was a good movie. I didn't see anything oh, I loved it. wrong with it. But I think we kind of look for whatever we can can make out of <clears throat> negative out of a, a story but yeah that's how the internet has made a lot of people very cynical yeah. which is too bad because i think if a lot of people went into this movie with their nose up in the air kind of wanting to hate it especially since it was so well received mm -hmm. and i think it's pretty natural to see that backlash but that's too bad because i think it's a really great movie for it sure is. so on to uh the sean penn story and some of you may have heard these headlines very bizarre he uh, apparently uh, did an interview with the man who's known as the world's most wanted criminal, uh, Joaquin, as he's known, El Chapo Guzman, who is a uh, drug cartel kingpin in Mexico. Uh, he's broken out of prison, I think, twice or three times. I, I don't even know. But he, um, he did an interview with Sean Penn, apparently, um, in preparation to possibly make a biopic about himself that he was willing to fund by himself, which is very odd. Hmm. Uh, but um, just an, a really odd story. 
that yeah. I, I don't really know what to make of. I don't know why Sean Penn was there doing this. I get it, get that it's his journalistic right, but I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of strange, and I don't really know a whole lot about this particular story, but it makes me wonder, and we were kind of speaking about it before, that um, maybe he had something to do in this guy's arrest. Maybe this quote-unquote interview what was part of the facility to get him into custody. I think there's a lot of, kind of an odd, like you said, it's an odd story, and mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of details about this to be uh, talked about yet. Yeah, and I remember first seeing the headlines of Sean Penda's interview with this criminal, and I was just like, who? Is this real? You know, and why is Sean Penn? I thought Sean Penn was, like, living in a village in Haiti. I thought he was doing, like, aid work in Haiti still and still doing movies, but... Sure. I was just so confused, and it's not him doing the interview. It's some actress who's speaking uh, Spanish to uh, El Chapo, and hmm. really, again, really, really odd story, and it's, it's just, the whole thing is just bizarre, but... I'm sure there's more to come on that in terms of what his his role was and his intention was. But um, anyways, we're about to take a break. But just to give you, again, a quick uh, re-up about the, the episode today, the journey episode, we're going to be right next, right up next, uh, inter interviewing. I'm just chopping. <laughs> we're going to be interviewing up. Leonardo DiCaprio. Interview he's right upstairs. No, <laughs> uh, we're going to be reviewing the movie The Revenant. Leonardo DiCaprio is obviously in that film. Uh, after that, <laughs> but we're he's not be, in this house. He's not in this house. <laughs> no, um, uh, reviewing the uh, recent release. It's not a new release, but uh, Logic: The Incredible Story. Um, next up, too, we're going to be talking about awards. Those some of them have been announced. They handed out Golden Globes. Um, Academy Awards are coming, nominations are coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow. So yes. when you hear this episode, they will likely be announced. But Weekly Neurosis, we will be right back. I got the Dakipper on the wall. I just can't follow their law. Swear to God that they know me, they don't know me at all. And it's all right. It's all right. I've upgraded. Let me bring in them new kicks like Timberland. I got a reboot with this upgrade. My metaphors on cloud nine and the meter behind them is so vague. Before I created this universe, I had to fly through the Bermuda verse. Six on the beat, then we chew the verse. Now I'm in another world when I flow immersed. Feel like I'm in a fifth element. I'm on my element, lost in paradise. It's me, you, and Lee, Lou, No. <laughs> All right. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosis, the journey episode. Mm -hmm. Again, nothing to do with the band. We're not going to talk about it. You just brought it up again, Did. though. The um, movie of the week this week is The Revenant. It's almost say. Ethan, take it away. <laughs> All right. So the plot of this movie, quick uh, synopsis here. A frontiersman on, the fur trade, on, a, on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s fights for survival after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by members of his own team. The story is based on the true life story of Mr. Hugh Glass. Uh, the, this movie is starring... Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, and also features Domhnall Gleeson, I believe his name is, Will Poulter, Forrest Goodluck, Paul Anderson, and Christopher Joner. It's directed by the, I would say now famous, Alejandro Inaritu. It's written by Mark Smith. Music by, this is going to be bad news trying to pronounce this, music by Ryuchi Sakamoto, Oliva Noto, and Bryce Desner. And cinematography by the famous Emmanuel Lubezki, who, in my opinion, is the greatest cinematographer alive, if not of all time. Uh, and some other information about The Revenant. Uh, it was filmed in 12 different locations in three different countries, uh, Canada, the United States, and Argentina. The original plan was to film only in Canada, but the weather was too warm, 
and that caused them to film at other locations such as the tip of Argentina where there was still snow on the ground for the end of the movie. Uh, and I think it's been talked about a little bit before, but the filming of this movie is kind of becoming something of a legend, mm -hmm. uh, similar to the famous filming of the movie Apocalypse Now, but crew members uh, complained often about the difficulty of the shoot. Many even quit or were fired. Uh, they switched producers mid-shoot and they brought uh, Mary Parent on board. And I believe the budget for this movie skyrocketed yeah. as uh, filming w uh, went on and it was uh, shot uh, very interestingly, use, using all natural light, and the director insisted that no computer-generated imagery be used. But I do believe there are a couple CGI moments in the There's movie. Gotta be. In like the bear attack, there's definitely CGI going mm -hmm. on there. But it's it's all very good, and very certainly solid. none of the scenery is. But uh, yeah, this is one heck of a movie in terms of its cast, its crew, its story. But how did it turn out? What did you think? Well. It's really interesting to me because it was marketed as an action movie. It was reviewed as kind of a movie that was very violent. But to me, it was something very different in a good way. I think it was much, much more... I, I don't, I've been struggling with the word to use, but I think it's trippy mm -hmm. and almost psychological. I think you get inside of, of the character Hugh Glass's mind right. a lot, which I did not expect, and they do it very well. Um, the cinematography is just amazing. Yeah. The scenery is amazing. The light, even, and the effects worked you know they they did natural light and it they made it work mm -hmm. you know so i had not, i really had nothing nothing bad to say about the movie i thought it was just great yeah this was a movie where i mean it's two and a half hours long and i think after a point i was like trying like when movies are this good and yes this movie is really really good when movies are this good i almost try to find things to like and i the only thing I could say maybe some people won't like is that they might find it a little bit dull in parts because it's long and it's certainly not an action movie beginning to end. Uh, I think some people might think it's dull, but not me. I loved this movie. I loved every second of this movie. I could not believe how gorgeous it was. I couldn't believe how intense it was and like you said, how psychological it was and how even some parts surreal and strange and he's having fever dreams when he's all cut up by the bear and trying to survive and trying to find food and it's just, it's a real straight up journey and it's a just an ordeal watching him go through this and uh, it, they go to different characters enough where you're always you always have good context of what's going on and it's just it's incredible to watch it is and from from start to end c cinemagraphically it's just phenomenal I mean from mm. the very opening sequence where they're they're in kind of a forest to the very end when they're in a snow as we mentioned um, it, it's it's got this feel to it the entire time. And you always get the sense he's in this, this when in the beginning and in, through the film, he's kind of in this odd headspace. Like mm -hmm. he's not really right mentally the whole time. And they, they display that and you're there with him. It's right. not, if it was just the life of Hugh Glass, I think this movie would have been good still given the cast and production team. But when they took it to that level, and you said it last night when we saw the film, it reminded me a lot of Thin Red Line. In terms mm -hmm. of how they used nature to to create these kind of odd, it, it just felt really weird in spots. Well, and I think in a good way. That's a, a valid comparison, and I think going back to the cinematography with Lubezki doing it, certainly you can compare this. I this very much seemed like a Terrence Malick movie, but it mm -hmm. did not not in a bad way. Not like they were copying, but uh, Lubezki's cinematography here 
is totally unique and totally his own and outside of the use of natural light he's always filming at low angles and shooting up at people so you always see the trees around people and you always see the snow falling and you always see the water around you you're always very close to the elements in it and he's there's a lot of close-ups in this movie too but also the camera's always moving it's always going in and when there's action scenes the camera's moving in circles around characters and switching focus from here to there in a way that's complex but never hard to follow and it just yeah it just puts you right there you get in this dude's head you can see everything from his perspective and it, it's it's like it's impossible for me to praise enough because this movie is just so well made and so incredibly good looking and so well acted and we'll talk about that too that it's just it's one of those few movies where it feels like a treasure chest of a movie to me like there's so much that happens thematically and it, and, and, and its story and its visuals that this is a movie where I could watch a hundred times in a row and never get sick of it. Mm -hmm. And it, in no way, shape, or form was predictable. And But to just to touch on the acting, I mean, cover to cover in that as well. I mean, from Leonardo DiCaprio to Tom Hardy to, you know, Will Poulter. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, everyone was good. They did their part. They played who they were supposed to play. And I have to, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, everyone knew going into it he was going to be amazing. Tom Hardy, I thought, played an exceptional scumbag, and that oh. sounds bad, but he was so—he was just the epitome of evil. He was just a terrible person, a totally selfish, totally mm -hmm. self-centered, egotistical person who cared only about his own survival and making money. But at the same time, they give him enough backstory that you can kind of see why he's like that. I mean, he's a bad dude, but I still think there's that perspective. Be like, this is a bad dude, but this world they live in is horrible in general. It's harsh. And it's tough to live by, so it's hard to really blame him. But he's so despicable that he's absolutely the villain in this movie, too. He is. And and they talk about it. Um, Donald Gleason's character say, says to um, Leonardo DiCaprio at one point, we're in, like, uncharted territory. There's no maps where they are. Yeah. They're just in the middle of nowhere uh, doing a... It was furring, right? Making, yeah, they were getting pelts. Getting pelts and... Yeah, hunting animals for their, their pelts. And but just, just an incredible story. But visually, this, this movie is stunning. Well, just, yeah, and, and beyond that, it just all serves to the purpose where I was afraid maybe from the trailer or even from some of the reviews that I had, I had glanced at before seeing it that it was going to be more of just an action-adventure movie than I think it is. Because I think this movie, thematically speaking, is super rich. I mean, and it's co totally coherent. There's all kinds of different themes from, I mean, revenge being kind of the simple catalyst for the story, the purpose of life, survival in general. I mean, even the title of the movie, The Revenant, means somebody who is supposedly returned uh, to the dead and, and what kind of perspective on life that gives you. There's a lot going on in this movie and despite it being exciting and amazing to look at, it, it it's heart-wrenching too and it's just totally valid and, oh man, I, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It was, it was very, very good, and I think definitely deserving of some award consideration, mm -hmm. uh, but just just incredible. But the natural lighting and the filming and all that controversy around, like, oh, it was the most difficult. I mean, I, it was worth it. It clearly was worth it well, yeah, to have that, your name stamped on this saying, hey, I, I was part of this project. Yeah, and like we had mentioned before, the, the director, uh, Alejandro Inuritu, he didn't want to, to screw around with special effects and stuff, so when... They're floating through ice-cold rivers. They're doing that. They're doing that all for real. When they're in a blizzard, that was all real. And it just it serves to a purpose. You can see it in these guys' face that they went through the ringer to make this movie. And not, and not for nothing, because this movie is 
just an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, definitely, uh, definitely, definitely worth it. But you know, in terms of of just rating, it was really really hard for me. Did you have like a cut and dried rating? Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Not a single second. The not even we didn't talk about the music in the movie, which was totally skeletal, mm-hmm. and it sounded like it was like the 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 percussion was like bones hitting each other and wind chime. It just I didn't have the I got I I've this movie is probably my favorite of the year, but it's also a movie where I honestly think it's one of the best I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, I and maybe that's really? hi, maybe that's hyperbolic, but this is the kind of movie that I have only like I've only had this reaction to a movie like five or six other times in my life like it totally rocked me to the core (laughs) okay and I wasn't expecting that going in so 10 out of 10 for me we didn't talk about the music either we we really didn't touch on that and you're right it was totally that that tied into the trippiness and psychological effect because it was really really odd Mm -hmm. and very subliminal but I had it I I had it at a 9.7 it was I was (laughs) so close to giving it a 10 I just couldn't couldn't get there, and I don't know why. But okay. damn near perfect. Film. Well, you know what? I can maybe see it, and and like I said, there were there were maybe one or two moments where I thought to myself, like, well, maybe they could get to the next point a little bit quicker. And I do think there will be people who find this quite boring, even, and it is super long. Mm-hmm. But just for me, like, whenever I thought started to think that something would happen. And even at that, I, I don't mind slower movies, and that's just a preference of mine. So I, I can see why somebody wouldn't love this movie, though. Yeah. But for me, it was just everything I like in movies. So. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it ever drags, though. I mean, no. it's not like, there's slow films that it's like, holy God, you know? Yeah. Something, please happen, you know? But this, I think this picked up and picked up and picked up. Yeah. But I mean, it has a lot of action in it. Well, it really does, too. And oh, and we should say, probably say warning if you are by any means easily grossed out or don't like violence you should not see this movie because it is like appallingly violent and to the point where i actually felt kind of ill in some some scenes and not because it was expletive or or, uh, explicit or or exploitative anything like that it was just so real that it just really got to me but it's gross lots of blood (laughs) very gritty too gritty violence not just like the horror movie oh you know it's it's straight up violence and the ending scene is amazing yeah epic i don't want to spoil it but it's i think it's a kind of a a one you could really debate about on on what's going on the ending was i will say predictable but it they did it in such a way that it was still good right yeah i guess like amazing film if it gets if it gets movie of the year i would have no reservations with that at all yeah it's i mean there's a number of movies this year i'd be happy with that and this is it is definitely one of them uh, yeah. So, yeah, great movie. Incredible. Go see it if you get the chance. Absolutely. Theater, too. Theater, it's amazing. for sure. For yeah. sure. But um, one, one guy that was in it, Dom Hall Gleason, we were talking about this off air. That guy's had one hell of a year. Yes. I mean, for 2015, you have The Revenant, Star Wars Episode Seven, Brooklyn, and Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Yes, Ex Machina. Okay. And he was, uh, I think he really kind of first started showing up for, for main audiences is he was one of the older Weasley brothers in the Harry Potter movies. Yep. But uh, yeah, he's had a heck of a couple of years and uh, yeah, he's been in four or five just major releases this year. Yeah. And I mean, Tom Hardy too. Yeah. Same, well, he's, he's been good for a while and I know a lot of people are talking about Tom Hardy 
missing Suicide Squad. I, Suicide Squad or this. would have to be a, a, just uh, amazing to well, make it worth it, in my opinion. Apparently, and I read this, I'm not sure how true this is, apparently he doesn't read scripts before he takes roles. And they started filming Suicide Squad not necessarily at the same time they started filming this, but the, the schedules would have conflicted and he was originally signed up for Suicide Squad, but apparently Leonardo DiCaprio personally asked him to please read this one script. He read the script for the Revenant and dropped out of Suicide Squad to be in this. Okay. And I think that, I'm not saying anything bad about Suicide Squad, I'm no. sure it'll be just fine, yeah. but this is on, a, to, me, for, to me this is a whole other level. But also Leonardo DiCaprio was originally supposed to play Steve Jobs in Jobs, but he dropped out to do this movie. I think Fassbender was better fit for that role. I agree. I agree entirely. <laughs> Mainly on body build. I know that sounds really odd, but like yeah. Michael Fassbender's kind of Well, what's weird slim. is how before me and you saw Steve Jobs, I thought to myself, like, Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs. It but worked. now it's like, absolutely. It worked. <laughs> Good casting. But um, yeah. yeah, definitely duh, just amazing. A lot of, a lot of good acting. Mm -hmm. Even like Will Poulter. Like, is that the kid The kid who was in Where the Millers? Yeah. What a strange... But he, he did a good job. He was great, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a good... I think he's a pretty decent actor. He was in the um, uh, Maze, Maze Runner. Runner. Mm -hmm. I, I think he's still in the series. I'm I don't trying want to spoil the first one. <laughs> he, might, like, he might not be in the second one. <laughs> Spoiler. But yeah, that was a major one. But, um, but yeah, he's been doing a good job. Yeah, for sure. So on to the um, award circuit if you will. Mm -hmm. You know much more about this than I do, but the there were several major awards that were, the nominees were announced. Correct. Yes, okay, so leading up to the Oscars, there's really four major awards uh, to keep your eye on that predict the possible winners of these. And it's actually, we'll talk about the Golden Globes, but you have to remember that the Golden Globes are actually they do not have any of the voters of the Academy. That's a different organization altogether. So even though there tends to be some overlap in what wins, generally that's not the case. Uh, but the ones we are gonna talk about uh, that are related to the Oscars are the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, and the Writers Guild nominees. And now in a previous episode, we had talked about the Screen Actors Guild, which is another major one. And the reason these are so important is because so many of the voters in each of these categories are also Academy members. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to go through all the nominees in all the categories because uh, that would take a really long time. And if you're really interested, you can just very easily uh, Google these and find them. But we'll definitely go over the major ones here. So to, to start with then, the uh, Directors Guild nominations, the, uh, the main award being the f Best Feature Film nominees, mm -hmm. and the nominees in the Directors Guild are Alejandro Iñárritu for The Revenant, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, and Ridley Scott for The Martian. I think it has to be Alejandro. I mean, in, in this case. I mean, that, that not that the, the other films are good. Some of them great, even. I would say... I would say George Miller or... Uh, Alejandro either way yeah either one of those two put so much into their movies having said that I wouldn't be upset if Spotlight or even the big short I I really actually enjoyed all of these movies mm -hmm. um, quite a bit but uh, it, it, I mean you know it, it definitely gives you an idea of where what direction the Oscars are going in though mm -hmm. um, so those are all movies that I, I recommend all those uh, nominees there yeah 
Yeah. All right. So the next one is the Producers Guild nominees. And obviously the Directors Guild is made up of directors and the Producers Guild is made up of the producers. So the people who put up money, who really push the projects forward, aim them in the right direction. Uh, so uh, the main category in the Producers Guild is the best theatrical motion picture. And the nominees in this category are Bridge of Spies, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Revenant, Spotlight, Sicario, Ex Machina, The Martian, The Big Short, and Straight Outta Compton. Uh, so again, a lot of overlap there. You start mm -hmm. to see these names over and over again, a couple different ones in here because there's more nominees. We see uh, Ex Machina, uh, Bridge of Spies, Sicario, and Straight Outta Compton uh, that aren't in the Director's Guild. So I think those are movies that we'll definitely be seeing some at the Oscars, especially I actually personally believe that F. Gary Gray, the guy who directed Straight Outta Compton, might get a Best Director nomination at the Oscars, even though I don't think Straight Outta Compton will get a Best Picture nomination. Interesting. Yeah, so that's always a really interesting, uh, the Producers Guild is always very interesting. Uh, and so then the final one here, there's two categories, and the Writers Guild nominee is obviously made up of the writers. Um, so the two categories are Original Screenplay and Adapted Screenplay. And the first uh, category, Original Screenplay, the nominees are Bridge of Spies, Sicario, Spotlight, Straight Outta Compton, and Trainwreck. So again, a lot of the same stuff here, except for we see Trainwreck, a mm -hmm. comedy that was very popular, very well received, I thought was pretty funny. So it's cool to see that in there. And then the nominees for the best adapted screenplay are The Big Short, Carol, The Martian, Steve Jobs, and Trumbo. So again there, three movies we've kind of seen mentioned before, but Carol and Trumbo weren't nominated every, anywhere else, which makes me feel like those are maybe less favorite for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. but we'll see it's it's always hard to tell but the reason we go over these three guild nominees is because if you're interested in award season or really like to kind of get the inside scoop on what movies are people are talking about and getting good buzz these are all the movies we just mentioned i think are worth seeing it's kind of the same pack usually of like anywhere from 13 to 20 films sure they mm -hmm. usually kind of cycle their way through and go into the award sequence there's different guilds and groups that give out the awards and you, the pinnacle obviously being the academy awards then right and you can take these things at any value you want ultimately none of these awards matter and there's certainly much more than these group of movies to see lots of great movies that year that will get nominated for nothing mm -hmm. but it's fun to keep track of these and they're all pretty good movies yeah um so there you go but i think the last thing we want to talk about with awards were the recent golden globe winners yeah so do you want to go through those sure thing and um the, the we're mainly going to go over the the big categories there mm -hmm. are boatloads of categories at the golden globes but we're only going to cover a few um, best picture drama went to the revenant uh, best picture musical comedy was the martian which i that i've seen that movie it did not not a comedy even i mean uh, did i laugh in parts like yeah like two parts Strange, though, that it was in this that category. Is, but you mentioned they tend to stretch categories to fit movies. Yeah. Uh, best, director, Al, best director, Alejandro Inarritu for The Revenant. Uh, best actor, drama, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Revenant. Uh, best actress in a drama was Brie Larson for Room. Uh, best actor in a musical or comedy was Matt Damon, uh, The Martian. Again, not really musical and or a comedy. But he was really good in but it. But he's very good, yes. Um, and last was the best actress in a musical or comedy, which was um, this film that I really like, Joy, uh, featuring Jennifer Lawrence. And she I actually liked it better than I thought I would. I, I, I thought it was all right. I still have to see it yet. Yeah, well, I don't think we'll see her 
win anything this year. I, I don't think Joey was good enough that the Academy will give him much attention. But, yeah, again, lots of the Revenant, the Martian, uh, Room with Brie Larson. Those are all people who we'll definitely be seeing again at the Oscars. Yep. Uh, and I'm personally, when these awards are announced, I hadn't seen The Revenant yet. So I really had my fingers crossed hoping I liked it, even though going into this movie I was kind of skeptical because the director's last movie, Birdman, while I really enjoyed it, I don't think it was quite the masterpiece a lot of people thought it was. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to see The Martian doing well as well. Uh, but yeah, the Golden Globes were, were pretty entertaining. About as entertaining as award ceremonies get. Yep. But. Yep. I think that the big thing is, oh, they drink at the tables, but it's like they're not... I think the only presenter who was very clearly drunk was Kate Hudson. Yeah, yeah. She was very drunk. It was very funny, and it looked like she still thought she was like 18 years old. Well, she mm -hmm. looked good and all, but she was very clearly drunk and kind of sloppy, and it was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Come on, grow up, Kate. Grow up, Kate. What the <laughs> hell? No, but um, and a lot of people, I don't know, what does this all mean? It's kind of a guide. You mm -hmm. know, the Revenant may win the Academy Award. I'd say it possibly to likely will win the award for best I, picture. It's like, like I said, though, with the Golden Globes, they don't overlap that much. And I honestly don't think the Revenant has quite the appeal to the Academy. It's I think it's going to be too violent and too over the edge for a lot of the older voters. Hmm. I think Spotlight is still the front runner for best movie of the year, even though it didn't win a single Golden Globe. Yeah, which was interesting. But like you mentioned, I think the spread cast, like just how many good acting performances are in Spotlight, as we said when we uh, reviewed it on, in our movie of the week, but uh, I think that's kind of holding it back yeah. in a way. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, they, I mean, again, all these awards, they don't mean anything. I know some people get upset, like, oh, who cares? They're all good movies. They're all worth watching. It's fun to keep track of this stuff. We, you know, we like these things, and really pretty much every movie we've mentioned, I think, is worth watching with definite emphasis on... The Revenant, mm -hmm. I, and for me personally, Mad Max and Spotlight. Um, it's just it's a fun group of movies this year, and I think this is one of the more unpredictable years. So we might even see some crazy stuff happen at the Oscars, which is good because it's usually pretty easy to call. Yeah, and one movie I want to cover quick. It's not going to be in my obsessions, but it's a documentary I just saw, Cartel Land. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. The guy filmed it on a like a handheld camcorder. Really? thing because he didn't want it to get noticed or get shot mm -hmm. really intriguing if you can see it go see it you can get it on amazon prime i think you can purchase it on there i'm assuming some on-demand services would have it too but on to uh, by the numbers our weekly segment where we review the top five grossing movies in north america we will also cover the occasional flops that do occur in the modern movie business so let's start bottom to top and would you want to interchange i'll do five you do four Teamwork it? Sure. Yeah. New release of the horror film The Forest that made a modest $12.7 million, but on a budget of $10 million. So it already made its budget back and then some. I don't think this is a movie we'll see next week again. I think it'll drop off. Quite a bit. But uh, that's how a lot of these horror movies are. And I'm excited to see this, although I'm not expecting much. I haven't heard very good things about it, but meh. Yeah. There it is, The Forest. It's got the Natalie forest. Dormer in it from Game of Thrones. So, yeah. There we go. Number three is Daddy's Home, which was number the number two movie last week from Paramount. Uh, $15 million, on, uh, which means that it brings their total gross to $116 million on a $50 million budget. It's done so really well. Really well. For sure. Farrell, Will Farrell and Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg. Two, they both have, I think, hey guys. a target market. Hey, guys. Want to go see my movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. So then number two, which was last week at number 23, is The Revenant, which made $39.8 million this weekend. Look at that number, the, the, the change percentage from last week, 8,793.3. Granted, it probably was in like two theaters or something. Yeah. But still, that's like a shocking number. So that's a total uh, gross so far of $41.3 on a budget of $135 million, which is high for a movie like this. But like we said, the production of this movie was very troubled, so it's not overly surprising. Yeah. But that I think that is going to stick around for a while. I think it will. I think they. I, I mean, I hope they make their money back. Yeah, you know? I hope but, people go see it. Yeah, it's a it's a good movie and just yeah the number though because I think it was in like L.A. and New York and like that was it. Yeah, yeah. But people made a lot about this maybe being the number one movie. Unfortunately, didn't quite beat out the still King of the Mountain, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, Episode Seven. It grossed $42.3 million, still a 53% decrease in gross, but it has made $812,734,000 crazy. Made fourth week in a row. That was about what you predicted, though. Yeah, well, you know what? And it, Yeah, I think Ride Along 2 has the potential to bomb, at least I hope it does, but I don't think... I don't know. I still think it'll be number two or three next week, but yeah. at this point, it is the highest grossing movie in uh, American history. It, it is number one. It beat a Avatar last week, and uh, it, I don't think it'll quite get to number one worldwide, but there would be you would be a fool to say this was in any way a disappointment. I yeah. mean, this has been a phenomenon. It's a movie people are going to talk about for a long time, and I think it earned its top spot for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about it. We're going to do... We'll have another announcement, but... This this movie will do a lot more business to you in DVDs. Oh, big time. Like major, major, major time. For sure. So anyhow, Weekly Neurosis, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be uh, reviewing Logic's recent release, uh, the, oh gosh, I lost my spot, The Incredible True Story. <laughs> um, and again, during the breaks, you've been hearing his music. Uh, again, that's Logic, The Incredible True Story, Weekly Neurosis. We will be right back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Much love to Def Jam, even though they undershit me. Did me like Bobby did Whitney, but the fans was with me. Know my name around the world, but it still ain't hit me. All the talent in the world, and they still don't get me. I didn't talk about my race on our whole first album, but black versus white bullshit was still the outcome. How come these motherfuckers can't seem to let it go? Judging rap by race instead of the better flow. Who gives a fuck who made it? I penetrated it. Doing it, it's part of the game. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosis. We now present our weekly segment, Album of the Week. Journeys. Journeys. No. <laughs> Journeys Shoe album. Store. Journeys album Escape. No. No. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> now I'm going to have that burned in my head. No, the um, Album of the Week this week is Logic, The Incredible True Story. Um, and Logic is actually a rapper hailing out of, I believe it's the Baltimore area or around there, but this is his second studio album. Um, the Incredible True Story was released on November 13th, uh, debuted at number three on the Billboard 200. Um, the album follows a futurist science fiction theme and includes voice actors as well. He apparently wrote the script for this album, which why an album needs a script, I have no clue whatsoever. But um, Ethan, what'd you think? All right, well, I guess, I'll start with what I liked about this guy. I think he's got 
great lyrics. He's got a you know decent flow. He can be fast. He can rap slower. It's all very coherent. He's easy to understand. I like the production on this album. It's nice, slick. I like when he uses acoustic guitars and flutes and some horns and kind of gives it that more, you know, real feeling versus all just bells and synths and stuff like that. But there's like nothing on this album to me. No songs that are great. Nothing that really stands out. None of the songs have hooks that are memorable. Uh, the overall theme of the album on my first listen was interesting, but after listening to it a couple times, it doesn't really make sense to me in terms of the actual quality of this album, and we can talk more about that. But uh, overall, it's just okay. I think mm -hmm. it's just a, a, maybe a little bit above average, but I'm not a big fan of this. Yeah, and I was in the same boat. There's really nothing, like you said, that's memorable. The voiceover thing, I, he I, he should have just nixed that. My, my hope is that he wasted so much time on writing this script and doing this voiceover garbage that somehow that affected the quality of the album. But, you know, again, it, it just didn't stand out in any way, shape, or form. He's a very gifted lyricist. His first album, Under Pressure, was some, it was good, it was raw, but this should have been a little bit more of a kind of a step up. But again, we see another case of the sophomore slump. That's pretty common. So. Right, and you know, the album title, The Incredible True Journey, or The Incredible True Story, and like you said, there's a script, and it's kind of about these people on this ship called, the spaceship called Babel, going to this planet named Paradise, and they're talking about how this album by the rapper Logic changed the world, and how it was the greatest album, and it propelled mankind into this new state of mind. And that's all very interesting, but if your actual music isn't that great, like, to me, that makes the theme of this album just kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Like, he's talking himself up a whole lot, but the music itself isn't great. But again, he's a great lyricist, and he's a lot of his lyrics are emotional, and he's very conscious about everything. He just doesn't do anything with his music that, to me, stands out. Yeah, and this is a case where like a little bit more production could have probably done him some good. Because okay. it's so minimalistic in a lot of ways, and it kind of gets... A little bit downtrodden at times, but again, I, I, the script thing just bugged me. Then again, if he took the script away, it just would have been like, well, right, it would have been what's happening. But I, I don't know. Yeah, well, and again, with the script, is it doesn't feel totally fleshed out. Like it doesn't. It gives you enough where it's like, oh, this is cool. They encounter. There's this one kind of funny uh, skit track on there called White People where they encounter another ship and they listen to a recording from it and it's like, oh, everyone's dead, we're doomed. And the guy's like, oh, why do white people always have to... I mean, that stuff was all funny and there was all kinds of things like that, but at the end of the album, none of it came full circle. Yeah, it didn't connect the dots. Not at all. And it just kind of, I kind of felt like, well, what's the point of all this in the end? And that was kind of a bummer because... So there were, there were moments on some of these songs that I really liked and I think some of the songs I, I actually enjoyed on here were uh, Young Jesus... Uh, intermission city of stars which i thought was the best song in the yep. album it definitely seemed like the most complete uh song in terms of having a somewhat catchy hook and telling a complete story and then also the title track uh, i enjoyed uh, as well yeah i think city of stars kind of saved it for me because mm -hmm. that that was the most forward song if you will that kind of stuck out but i, I think he really kind of needs to go back to the drawing board and kind of refigure out what he's going to do with his next one because it can't it, it was just he wanted it to be a little bit too complex i feel like he wanted to make this a little more than mm -hmm. just an album and if you're going to make a hip-hop album you can't really 
put this big glaze over of a story and a script, and it needs to just be. You good. can you can do that, but you, you need I mean, to be. It has be, to work. You need to have the content. It was because yeah. I think people like Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino, those are artists who have put out theme al concept albums. Uh, and, and those worked. And those the, worked. The, the core concept, the core product was good. And this right. didn't have that. So. No, it definitely didn't. Yeah, so would you rate it? I'm going to give it just straight in the middle of five out of five. I didn't. There was nothing on here where I was like, this is awful, this is so boring, but there was absolutely nothing that stuck out to me outside of maybe some of his lyrical flow. I see potential there, but unfortunately it was just bogged down by a kind of a weak overall theme so yeah, 5 out of 10. It's just alright. It's just okay. If you feel like hip-hop, give it a listen. Because I have heard some people say they really liked it. Yep. But. It was really, uh, a couple, I forget who, one producer said it was like the best album of the year. And you said someone had it on there. On a, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel called Dead End Hip Hop, who they review, you know, mainly hip-hop albums. And it's a group of different guys, and they're all, they're all, they're a really good group of dudes from different age groups and different backgrounds, so they have different perspectives. One of them put this on their like top five or ten albums wow. of the year. Yeah, and I had it at a 5.5, mainly because of City of Stars. Mm -hmm. Kind of shot it up a little bit for me. Uh, but again, nothing, nothing really special here. Yeah, just all right. Just okay. Pot potential kind of lost with him. I felt like he, under pressure was good, but everyone was like, oh, he can... He just produces, gets a little bit more production value and this and that, but meh. Yeah, oh well. Nevertheless, but um, two big announcements are that um, coming up, we're going to be recording it this Sunday. It will be available on Monday. Uh, we will do our best of 2015. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do the best 10, my best favorite 10 movies, Ethan's favorite 10 movies. You're covering which two varieties? I'm also going to be covering... Uh, top five horror movies. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. And then you're going to be covering top five documentaries. Yep. And then also we'll be doing top ten movie or albums of the year, and yep. that's both of our lists separately. And then we'll also have two separate top five albums. Because that was hip hop and R and B. And I'm going to do electronic music and uh, original soundtracks for movies. And again, and we'll stress this again when this album comes out. These are our personal preferences. We're as objective as we can be, but nobody is purely objective. We all have our biases. Uh, see, th these will be our lists, so I think you guys will enjoy it. Yep. We might disagree on some stuff, too. And again, this is what we've been able to consume. Yeah. You know, there's you, anyone can say, oh, what about this album? You can only listen to so many albums in a year. Mm -hmm. You texted me the other day, you can only watch, or there's something like 41,000 films. Well, that, that was just some mishmash of numbers. But I that's, that's true. You can, only, you can only see so many. Yeah, but I think it'll be a more laid back kind of fun episode. Yeah, and just kind of interrelating. It's we'll have opinions on each other's. Yeah, I'm sure lists. we won't just ramble off our lists. We'll have stuff to say about everything on them. So I think that'll even be a longer episode, I would imagine. That's going to be a, an anthology right. of yeah, an album. An epic. Epic. <laughs> One Roman numeral. Yeah. But um, the other announcement is that obviously we mentioned at the top of the show, everyone was very shocked by um, David Bowie's passing away. And next episode, um, for our regular episode, not our best of, is going to be a Bowie-centered episode. Yes. Do we want to say what we'll be reviewing there? Yeah, sure. So the album, I mean, Obviously, we're going to review the album he released right before he died, his newest and final album, Black Star. And then uh, for the movie, since he's been in so many movies, we are going to watch his movie, The Man Who Fell to Earth, 
which was actually the first movie he ever starred in, I believe in the late 70s, early 80s. And we'll be talking about that. It's a really bizarre science fiction movie. So that'll be our next uh, regular weekly themed episode. And we figured it would be appropriate to uh, talk about David Bowie. Yeah. Because he deserves it. Kind of figures, and he definitely does. And be, I don't know that... He, here's the thing. This is very interesting. He, he never really drank beer, apparently. He specifically would order a Bombay Sapphire Martini. That was like his drink of choice. Okay, where's this Someone going? Someone we should just drink Bombay Sapphire. Didn't he die of liver cancer? Maybe we shouldn't drink that. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe there's something <laughs> in Bombay Sapphire that caused. But no, that was his. Uh, that was his thing. Interesting. But definitely uh, an iconic person, and yeah, I agree with you. We we deserve to give him an episode. Yeah, absolutely. So we got two episodes next week. That's Crazy. exciting. It's going to be a marathon. Yeah. When you think about it, we're recording today. We'll record seven days from now. So we're going to be recording basically three episodes over yeah. a seven-day span. Nice. Lots of prep. Yeah. Booyah. But anyways. Honestly, Pretty much got my top ten movies of the year down, though. I, I possibly do, possibly do. I still need to see like three movies. I need to listen to four or five R&B albums. Cool. Pretty sure I'm my top five. Not going to give any hints. Okay. No spoil. We're spoiler free, right? Can't spoil the list. No. Well, I already did say the Revenant would be up there, and I already kind of did say it's probably my favorite movie, but I didn't say that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I said it, but I didn't say it. Yeah. But um, as far as the the music uh, high priority news items, obviously streaming music is huge. It's kind of the new medium that people are consuming music. Yes. And Apple Music just announced it now has. 10 million members, and that's a number, 10 million, that it took Spotify six years to reach. Sure. I think they're the predominant new music source. But I think you got to put that in perspective as yeah. well. It took Spotify six years to get it, but they were really the pioneers of it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, come on, Apple's going to take this over. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. It isn't, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's something still very holy about owning music. You know, mm -hmm. like, like you have a vinyl collection. I think that's very, in a way, holy. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, I can't just pull up my phone and be like, well, I've got 20 hours worth of music on here, bro. It's like... Well, technically, you would have access to their entire library, which is why I subscribe to Apple Music, too. Yeah. And what I like about it is that I'm an albums dude, right? I like to listen to albums front to back. And Apple Music, and these all, all of these uh, streaming services give you access to the full albums, not just the singles. I, pre I, I understand that there's people who like singles and focus on that, and that's perfectly okay, but I like albums, and I never would have been sold on Apple Music if I didn't have the ability to listen to albums front to back. Mm -hmm. So, When you combine that, too, with Bluetooth in your car, it's insane. Or, uh, come on, man, I got a, 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 an audio jack in my... I don't have that fancy Bluetooth. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's I should say that in an English accent, but it's phenomenal. <laughs> no, but it's yeah. I've I've listened to many uh, many an album, and that's what I use for this show because we yeah. we go all over before. YouTube, you probably could use YouTube to listen to the album, mm -hmm. but for, then well, it's like sure. front to back. You can't stop it at tracks, really. Yeah, it would be more difficult to do that. But yeah, Apple Music is. I mean, all these are are good services, mm -hmm. and I used to be very against them, and I still very much collect albums. If I download a new release on Apple Music and I love it, and I find it on vinyl, I'm probably going to buy it. So it's not to disvalue or undervalue uh, physical media for what it is, but 
the times are changing. So they are. What was the first thing you downloaded off of Apple Music? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. I I listen to like five or six new albums every other day. I don't know. The first, okay. It was maybe. Uh, it was probably something like not not a new release. I don't know. I wish I knew now. I wonder if you can track that. I remember very distinctly what I did the first time. What was it? I downloaded absolutely every song that Danny Brown, the rapper, has ever made. Seriously? He's, my fa- he's honestly my favorite rapper. I want to party like Chris Farley. Yeah, dude, he's weird. But um, that's the first thing I did. and Yeah, I like it because I can like read the different magazines and stuff. And yeah, it's before awesome. Before you would have had to buy it. Yeah. Book 29 a track. Well, you still have to pay every month. But when you think about it, ten bucks, and especially, I mean, we're different because we both consume a ton of music. Ton of music. You more than I. I probably listen to maybe between four and ten albums a week. You're covering. Well, sometimes I I'll listen to if I don't like something, I'm not going to listen to it again necessarily. If I really don't like something, but. How many albums a week do you think? You I don't cover? know, man. Wasn't it how many movies did you watch in 2015? Oh come on, that's don't put me on the spot here. <laughs> like 400 something. And I don't know how many I watched. Gregory James Malcolm watched somewhere between. Well, don't say his whole name on the podcast. <laughs> we'll edit that out. No, I yeah I, I watched uh, over 400 movies last year. I know it sounds like a whole lot, but you know I don't have kids. I am married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work 40 hours a week. I make decent enough money. I have friends and family, so it's not like I'm some weird shut-in who never does anything. But if I watch a movie five days a week, that adds up pretty fast. And there are some weekends where I'll watch three or four movies in a day. It's just what I, it's what I do. Some people spend their entire Sundays watching sports, their entire weekends watching sports. Some people are workaholics. Some people are this or that. I like movies and music. It's what I do. Some so, people love orgies. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. Sure. There's, honestly, there's something out there for everyone now and... For you and I, I think it's my me more so. It's music. Sure, I listen to a lot of music. And well, I used to be. I used to kind of feel bad about how many movies I watched and how much time I spent seeking out and sitting down and watching a movie. Because I think to a lot of people, and this used to bug me, was a lot of people think movies are just escape. They're just, you know, they just pass the time, or it's just something to to share with you know a loved one or friends or something like that. But to me, I love movies. To me, they express truth about human culture and the people who made them. I appreciate that deeply. I find deeper meaning in them. Not all the time necessarily, but I just, I love it. So that's what I spend my time doing. And I don't think that's any more or less valid than people who watch sports every day. There's Mm -hmm. no difference and I don't judge anybody else. So I used to feel weird about it because most people I know don't watch movies like I do, but hey, I'm perfectly happy with it. So Yeah. Just doing you. That's the key. Yeah. I just like it that doing this podcast, I feel like I'm in front of the award circuit because before I would watch the Academy Awards and I'd be like look at all these movies oh my gosh I've got to watch all these movies you're up on them man and now I'm like I know this game it's fun it's fun it's, it's really great. fun it's it's it. although I'm, I'm less confident that this year that I'll be able to call all the winners I think last year I got like 26 out of the 29 categories or whatever I'm not going to get that many this year because you've got to throw out a prediction though, there, there's, prior to it. there's so many categories that are up in the air right now man it's crazy and the nominees aren't even out yet, as we sit here. Well, and I, I think, honestly, I know the, the Revenant really blew us both away, but there, there's a good chance it could flip-flop. I just think it's going to be too much for a lot of the Academy. It's yeah. too violent. It's too surreal in parts. It's just, it's it's an extreme, and they don't usually go for extremes. The Academy likes period pieces. 
they like movies like that. And while technically The Revenant is a period piece, most period pieces don't have a bear destroying somebody and ripping their throat out and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah. They like stuff like The King's Speech and... Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Which is a good, I mean, that was a good movie. Yeah. Told the story. It wasn't even close to my pick for movie of the year, but hey. That year? No. What else was nominated with that? Oh, I think that was the year Inception and Black Swan yeah. around, and I would have picked Black Swan that year. Because Natalie Portman won. Best Actress. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that movie was nuts. I gotta watch that movie again. It's good. Once we get past, the, well, we basically are, I have three movies left. But I've, you've binge-watched, I've binge-watched movies. Yeah, I'm like, actually, I just went on a rampage about how I love watching movies, but I'm like sick of watching movies. But Damn, I mean, I'm sick of listening to hip-hop. I, I had my top yeah. 20 worked out, and I was like, I'm gonna figure this out, and I was like, the only way I can do it is by listening to them again, because I was like, <laughs> unsure if this one would work out this way. So I've been nonstop, absolutely well, nonstop listening to hip hop. Yeah, well, but you know what? I'm not watching movies anymore, but I am obsessed with something else. What is your obsession? See, see what I did there? I am Look at that transition. I, am cur I actually had something else written down, but I can't believe I didn't think about this beforehand. I'm obsessed with Harry Potter right now. I, re I started rereading the books uh, like five days ago. I'm already on the second book. It's been years since I read them. I grew up reading them. I watch the movies and I've just been I love those books I know them inside out and I'm rereading them and that's what's been on my brain when I get home I'll probably sit down and read the uh, uh, Ch Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets for an hour or two so that's what's been on my mind and when I'm done reading them I'll watch the movies again I'm sure boom yeah it's a lot of reading but then again that was wasn't it combined the same as Game of Thrones or some weird thing like that yeah well see the first like I said I read the first book in less than a week I've read that book in one day before it's 300 pages but the print is massive dude it's it's easy do you think I could do that yes I... you could if you had it if you had like 12 hours you could finish that book in six or seven hours I bet yes you could don't look at me like that don't look at me <laughs> like that but yeah Harry Potter it's good I'm sure most people know it or have seen the movies or read the books but I like it I love it that's what I'm obsessed with. And me, honestly, I'm obsessed with, this is going to sound really weird, but how dumb Apple rumors are. <laughs> like, I'm so blown away at this week they announced that it was a rumor, not even remotely confirmed, that the Apple iPhone 7, which again has not even, no release date has been confirmed. Is this the headphone jack thing? It's not going to have the headphone jack. I thought that was true. Well, they, it's still not confirmed. Okay. It's like some engineer that's unnamed said it. No, no confirmation from Apple. Hmm. But I was re I went through and I looked at like there's like a bunch of websites like MacRumors.com and I just entire industry. This little miniature industry is based around Apple products and when they're gonna come out. I just I mean there's so whole forums dumb. and websites dedicated to Apple news. I really Oops. don't. I genuinely don't care. I'm gonna. I might buy an iPhone Seven. I might not. It's my cell phone. It's See, my. But honestly, my horse, basically. That freaks me out because I my the pair of headphones I use is, I mean, is not wireless. Because mm -hmm. I'm a. I hate. The, I, I, That's I listen. Kinda, yeah. I, I have my headphones on like when I work seven to eight hours a day, and I'm not necessarily listening to podcasts. Uh, a lot of times I'm listening to to instrumental music because I can't focus if somebody's yelling in my ear or something. But uh. I'm kind of afraid of needing to upgrade to headphones because what am I going to need that's going to last me eight hours every day? Well, I think that 
initially it's going to be like the high-end offerings that are out there right now, like the Bose and the Beats and the different studio monitor versions that are out there, but those are like exuberantly expensive. Yeah, I'm not going to buy Beats headphones. No, but, uh. you know, eventually Sony and Samsung and all these places will pump out cheaper versions, but yeah, that, is, that is honestly weird to me, and I do, honestly, even though I do have, again, the creme de la creme bluetooth in my car i don't i still that's only a minor <laughs> minor portion of my music listening a lot of it is on my headphones and i have basically dj headphones so i can just shut out the world and yeah i have the big i used to when i first started my job uh and i was told i can listen to music or whatever during the day i used to wear just earbuds but not only are they super uncomfortable if you wear them all day but they sound like garbage so i started bringing my big you know uh headphones in and they have a very big, long cable because they're actually meant for, I don't remember exactly what they were meant for, but definitely not wireless. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess that's a bridge to cross when we get there. That's another thing. The times are changing. That's good. another thing they're going to make us buy. Yeah. Oh, dang it. They've been waiting, though, because not everyone's really upgraded to the like high-end headphones. People are still like, oh, I have my Apple earbuds. That's fine. Yeah. I have See, a lot of headphones. That's the thing. So when, because they ship out their iPhones now with Apple earbuds in the box. So if they change that, that's clearly gonna. What are they gonna do? Put like weird little, you know? This is step one, man. They're gonna start putting implants in us next, man. Man. <laughs> no, I don't even care. It's a, I th I feel like cell phones are like horses back when like the eighteen hundreds. You just beat the shit out of them, and then after a couple <laughs> years. Yeah, that's true. I use and mine for... the horse community is just going to be like, oh, that weekly neurosis, it's terrible. No, but it's it's like a utility now. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I wish I could get one more than every two years because mine's not in the best condition, but I have to wait till June to get a new one. Yeah. But I digress, cell phones. And I do have an mm -hmm. iPhone. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. You kids. And I am using an iPad. I wonder what, like, the mm. worst cell phone... That... I'm sure there's still people with, like, brick phones. Yeah, my right. wife's father has a flip phone. And that's fine. He doesn't yeah. need anything else. But we're getting to a day and we age where that's not yeah, an option anymore. We couldn't anymore. survive with that. I probably could if I had to. I'm not going to pretend like I would die if I couldn't listen to podcasts all day. Something tells me, Nate, I would find a way. <laughs> you would. You'd love. Well, anyways, that's Obsessions. And this was the journey episode. Yes. We took a journey. Yeah, it was a journey of an episode and, you know, talked about some journeys. Enjoyed some Expedition Stout, The Revenant. Go see it. Yeah, go see it, please. Maybe, maybe don't listen to Logic. Yeah. The incredible true story. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and yeah, next time around, we'll uh, have the David Bowie special and also the Academy Awards. All right, and of course, our, our top lists episode. And that too. Which won't be a themed episode. It's going to be a special. Yeah, and that's kind of our... We've discussed before, and we'll talk more in the future about every now and then doing... Kind of a special episode and doing something a little different to switch things up. Yep. But anyhow, Weekly Neurosis. It's been fun, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, this has been the Journey episode. Everyone, take care. I think people give the poop emoji, uh, no pun intended, a lot of shit.
I think it really needs more recognition. First of all, the fact that it knows that it's poop and it still smiles, I think that's just something we all can learn as humans.